You're listening to the Fem Foundry podcast with me, Pips Taylor. Now, Fem Foundry is a new home for womankind around the world. We are a one of a kind global community and we bridge the gap between the professional and the personal. And this podcast reflects just that. Amy, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, babe. Apart from I've got this like dirty cough, which is not COVID. Um, but it's really irritating and keeps you lurgy. And also, yeah, you know, when you like you have to cough and you're on a train and then everyone looks at you like <gasps> and then yeah. and then you try not to cough and it makes it worse. And yeah, and then you've got to cough even more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a vicious roundabout of the cough. Yes. Well, I'm sorry that you're not feeling very well, but I hope you're feeling a bit better soon. We've got lots of yeah. things to cheer you up though. If you lift lift those spirits, lift have you have up. you got can I have some night nurse? That would help. Yeah, exactly. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's my, my oh, absolute favourite go-to. Um, that'll give you a good night's sleep because it really like, does. It like makes you like really spacey and have green yeah. dreams. My <laughs> green dreams. Green dreams. We not know because it is green. I don't know. I'm like a branding person's dream, aren't I? But I li- I just feel because it's also bright green when you drink it. I'm sure there's something in there that shouldn't be because it definitely makes you have quite trippy dreams and everything's green. So I, I just take the capsules. Uh, the capsules. Yeah, it's so harsh. <laughs> to be honest, I need someone to knock myself out tonight because... Go and get rock- some liquid nightness. Rocket, I think I'm, I'm, I'm literally about to go to the chemist right now because Rocket <laughs> is having me up like every, literally like one hour or two hours just growling. Oh, I'm like, growling what are you at? doing? Oh, growling. Such bastards, dogs. They like, kick you or fucking oh. growl or snore. My, my Labrador snores. One snores and then one like sort of does this weird yelping. He's obviously running or doing something exciting in his sleep. He's like, whip, 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 and then gives you a massive kangaroo kick. And you're like, oh, you fuck. Like, Cheers, guys. Glad you're sleeping well. <laughs> you'll sleep most of tomorrow as well. It's a dog yeah, life, exactly. Amy. It's a yeah. dog's life. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so lots of lots of furry things going on this week. And it was the bank holiday weekend. So a four-day working week, which just means that we've got to cram everything into like less time. That is I pressure washed everything this weekend. Oh my God, you are yeah. living the bank holiday dream. I am. I'm like a 50 year old man, basically. What um, yeah. Next bank holiday, then. Thing is, once you start pressure washing, you can't stop. It's like a sprinkles <laughs> tub. You're like, what can I pressure wash it next? It's like really addictive. Did you think about pressure washing the dogs? And obviously, I would really hurt them. Oh, does it, is it hurt? Is it, is it that hard? I'm fucking joking. Have you ever seen how? The pressure, that's what it's called, a pressure washer, comes out of there, bloody hurts. Oh, right, okay, so maybe don't do that, don't listen no, to that. I wouldn't recommend, do we do not recommend pressure washing dogs on this podcast? <laughs> if you've done it, let us know. Animal cruelty, we love our dogs. Anyway, on a, on a lighter note, this week's podcast guest is the wonderful and the effervescent Nikki Shields. Now, Nikki is a an all-time life legend. I'm not going to lie. She's, I've known her for years. She's absolutely brilliant. She hosts Formula E, which is obviously the electric version of Formula One. And is one of the lead women in motorsport and uh, in the automotive industry. And she's just bloody brilliant at what she does. And she's also massively into her science and getting uh, girls into STEM education. So she's busy doing lots of different interesting things. And so she t- tells us all about her career, her life, and also Electrifying, which is the company that she set up to make it much easier now for us all to buy electric cars and like what do we need to know like how do we even do it because obviously they're quite a new thing to market so yeah I'm really excited to to see what you think Amy 
Nikki Shields, I'm really excited to have you on because not only are you a very good friend of mine, but you are also an incredible TV presenter, founder of Electrifying, passionate about motorsport, science and tech, and you are a pit lane reporter for Formula E, which I'm really excited to chat to people about today and for them to learn more about because through you I've become quite quite the fan uh, and I you're, feel like your cars it's, now well you were um, always into your cars <laughs> yeah but it, it, it's because it is quite different but I want to really kick off because obviously you've I feel like you've always been into cars and motorsport is that do you think that's the case or have, or have I just been brainwashed from the past 15 years <laughs> yeah well done excellent it works she listened um, <laughs> No, you're totally right. I think, um, and that's why uh, it's like one of the things I always say. Actually, I was I was back at my old school um, a year or so ago. They're like, "What advice would you give?" I was like, "Well, just follow something that you're passionate about, and you'll never feel like you have to work a day in your life." And I know that's like obviously so obvious, and people say that, but it's so true. And um, you know, never ever in a million years did I ever think I would be working in motorsport. Like, what? I went to I went to a re relatively sort of academic school. I did, yeah, I did sort of chemistry, biology and economics at A-level. I then did biological sciences at university and yeah, was kind of going in this sort of um, direction of doing science. Uh, and then I, I, which I did then do um, after a, a small moment in the in the city it was my first job working in finance but uh, <laughs> that, that, that was a, that was a that was a good that was a high and a low that was, it was like a not not an intentional um, transition and um, part of my career but um, it was good experience at the same time but anyway I ended up on this sort of um, path working in science broadcasting and um, but always had a passion for motorsport grew up watching I, I mean I basically my mum calls it the house of trouser um, we basically live in a house of petrol heads my you know my grandfather's great-grandfather's my dad unfortunately they're all yes men <laughs> but we're changing that now because I'm also into cars um, they uh, yeah so I, so I guess it was kind of always in my blood you know watching any kind of racing British touring cars um, Le Mans Formula One going to racetracks yeah all sorts. is there a specific like <laughs> memory or a specific time where you thought actually yeah I really I'm gonna work in motorsport I think I always remember um like I you know I think and a lot of people did this as well growing up on a Sunday watching the F1 with your dad on the sofa and I generally genuinely thought when I was watching those drivers I would be a Formula One driver when I grew up like that's what I was gonna do like I, that that will be me one day and I think <laughs> I did get to a certain age where I realized I was like mm, I should probably be at a go-karting track like five times a week if this is if this dream is actually going to become a reality and realize that perhaps that wasn't well, going to be a reality. Well, hang on also, never say never, because I know that you've actually earned your International Category B racing driver oh, license. Why, thank you. Nikki. <laughs> so you could move into the racing oh, side of yeah. things. I mean, you know, Formula One just just keep come knocking at my door and I just keep pushing them back. They, they want an old 36-year-old, you know, pregnant woman. You are not they old. can't wait to get her in the driving seat. <laughs> you are not old. 
Um, no, I think, uh, yes, I do have my race license, which is epic, and it's been really useful um, over the years. And I have had the privilege of driving some very cool cars, um, either on the roads or on racetracks. And uh, so I've got to, got to have lots of fun with it. Yeah. Don't think it's ever going to be a profession, unfortunately. <laughs> what would you say has been the best car that you've ever driven on a racing track? Ooh, um, ooh good question. I think, I mean, I think when it comes to sort of privileges, I suppose, driving the Formula E car, because, um, you know, it, you just don't get the opportunity to drive these formula cars. You know, it's not as easy as just jumping in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Porsche at track day. Like anyone can do that. Oh, I'd like to take... do that. Can Sorry. we sort that out, please? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not anyone, but you know. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, if you're lucky enough, you'd be able to. It's quite, it's relatively easy. Whereas actually jumping in something like a, a Formula car, like a Formula E car, is really complicated because there are only the cars available that the drivers have. They're part of the yeah. team. You know, yeah. there aren't a string of Formula E cars just hanging out in a garage where you can go and jump in and take for a test drive. So um, that was very fortunate. I drove for Virgin. Um, they kindly and also it's very precious the time you know when when uh, you're doing a, a racing championship you only get a limited number of days you know a handful of days yeah handful, every single hour really counts so you don't want to be giving it away to media <laughs> um, and letting them have fun with it slash you know crashing your car um, so it, yeah it was very fortunate I got to drive the Formula E car um, and so I think that was very yeah very very what, special and what was it like what was different about the Formula E car would you say than to a sort of a standard car because I mean it is completely different it's a completely different version of sport so I think maybe let's start off with this in terms of like what the difference is for you and then we can chat about actual Formula E. Yeah so um well so yeah quick one because obviously yeah Formula E lots of people have never never heard of the sport we've been going for well well, this is our eighth season now, but it's uh, it effectively... eight years. I know. Yeah. Wow. I remember the first one so vividly <laughs> when I was like, oh, my God, she's presenting Formula E. This is epic. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous how quickly it's gone it really does it still feels like a new job um <laughs> but it is, is it is forever changing which is quite nice it keeps it fresh but so um, those... it's effectively electric street racing yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of sim the simplest way to look at it the cars are single seater and open wheel um so they kind of on a very simplistic level look like Formula One cars because that's the car I think that everyone knows what they look like so you know your head there is no sort of cockpit as such it's, a, it's an open cockpit, so you can see the driver, you can see the helmet, uh, you're exposed to the wind and the rain <laughs> and uh, all the outs, outside elements, and then the wheels, they're not covered, so they're sort of yeah. this open cockpit, um, sort of open wheel. And, and I, I want to just say that the, one of the main differences from a spectator's point of view, because I've been had the privilege of being able to, to come and see you several times, which I've absolutely loved, is you is the noise. Like, there's there's no... There's, obviously you get the whizzing around the track of Formula One, but with Formula E, it's like this kind of quite high pitched screeching of wheels. <laughs> but it, it's it, but it, it is it's it's still a really it, it's an exciting sound, but it, it does take a little while to kind of get used to the fact that it's more silent and you can hear you know sort of mechanics rather than a massive boom of an, of an engine absolutely yeah it's a it's a they're definitely not silent you know i think a, a lot of electric road cars you could say they're virtually on silent and formerly cars definitely have a noise they're, in terms of decibels they're equivalent to a normal road car oh really 80, 90 decibels yeah which 
you know, in the scheme of noisy race cars, isn't obviously that loud. But um, yeah, they do have a sound. And yes, it is. I'm still trying to perfect my Formula E sound. And no, I'm not going to do it on this podcast Come and embarrass on. myself. Because <laughs> I'm still rubbish at it. Is it it's like but I mean, that sounds more like a piglet, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) kind of. It is this sort of whirring sound. And yes, you get the, you know, more sound from like the tires on the track that you can hear. Um, But you've got, you've still got sort of the noise of the gearbox and the motor doing its thing. So there is some noise, but yeah, it's definitely not like switching on a a V8 or a V12, like back in the day. (laughs) Feeling all the revs. And you're the the pit lane reporter for Formula E. uh, And you're sort of, you know, you're backstage, you're there every race day, uh, sort of in in with everyone, in sort of feeling the vibe of, of, of race day. Can you just sort of describe to us a little bit about what that entails and, and what that's like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, as a presenter, I mean, you'll know, Pips, there are kind of two sides to the job. There's presenting pre-recorded content, which you have, you know, lots of time and you craft these beautiful scenes and, you know, you want to get nice shots and then, uh, and, you know, spend quite a lot of time on it. And then there's live and it's like, right, here you go. It's pretty exhilarating. Um, you've got the adrenaline pumping and off you go and you never really quite know you know you have a sort of vague running order but you don't really have a script as such when it comes to the live because you're reacting to what's going on around you and uh, and I love that element of it you know I love um, the excitement that doing live tv brings and yeah I suppose my job is basically you know bearing in mind that not many people well in fact you know just assume if it's a tv audience no one is there and you need to bring um the stories the backstories what's going on to the viewer at home and also I'm the kind of the eyes and ears on the ground for everyone really in the sport because everyone is there doing their own job if something's going wrong or a driver's not happy or there's an argument or there's a crash or there's an issue you're the only person who's going to be able to tell that story with a camera and with a microphone so um I do a lot of walking. Um, I do a lot of um, predatoring, should we say? (laughs) Like a predator down the pit lane, like, right, I'm coming for you. If something, normally, it's it's basically I'm kind of in a garage when something bad or something good happens. It's also, it really, it makes me giggle because it's that kind of professionalism of like, if something's really going wrong and actually, you know, you, you have to kind of go there and you still have to get the story. So people can't just say to you, not right now, Nikki. No. You know, they, they need they need to compose themselves and be like, right, well, actually, this is what's going on. And you and sort of be as level headed as possible. I mean, they do try sometimes to say not right now, Nikki. And I, I say, well, actually, it is right now. We are live. We are live. We are coming. <laughs> and, and I do remind them, like, sometimes you do get stroppy drivers. We're like, no, oh, I'm not going to talk. Well, um, that was my impression of a stroppy driver um and um and then I sort of have to remind them I'm like look we were here in the good times we were here at your last podium we were with the cameras like you've got to talk to us through the highs and the lows and they sort of like look at me like to say this all yeah okay fine we'll do this interview (laughs) oh well done um, and so if you were to kind of try and convince a diehard F1 fan to start watching Formula E, how would you convince them if they sort of think, oh, yeah, I'm not too sure it's not, you know, it's not Formula One. What would you say to them? So the most exciting race, one of the most exciting races uh, last season for the F1 was in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. And why was that? 
it's because of the nature of the track. It was a tight, twisty, high-speed street circuit. And that, uh, as a consequence of that street circuit, I mean, okay, there was also an amazing battle going on between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. But it it was, you know, thanks to the nature of the track, um, there was some fantastic battles. There were safety cars. There were full course yellows. There was action. There was drama. There were crashes. It was like everything that you wanted out of a race. Now, we do that every single time because that's what we're racing on and I think you know racing on these tight twisty street circuits ultimately gives you some really really um competitive and sort of high drama racing and also in Formula E the cars are very very tight when it comes to um their competition they're in their third year now of this gen 2 car and ultimately it just means that there's only I think there's one second usually in qualifying between the fastest and the slowest driver now you know you don't really see that in any other championship so it is unbelievably competitive at the top so I think just the racing's epic you know it doesn't really matter what what you're driving in do you Mm -hmm. if you like cars uh, sorry if you like racing um you know you can go to a go-karting track and watch an epic race it doesn't really matter uh, if you're in an F1 car or an FE car, what matters is the sort of the caliber of the driver and the racing yeah. that you're watching. And, and, I think and the environment and the excitement as well. Yeah, it's exactly. just, there's always drama. There's always high drama, I find, whenever I've watched <laughs> exactly. Formula E racing. Like things things go wrong and, you know, it, the, the, like, watching the tight corners, I think re- uh, recently when we were in, um, in, in, uh, in London. Olympic Park in London, that was just so cool. Like people were knocking into each other. There were yeah. oohs, there were ahs, there were, you know, it was, it was like <laughs> the audience reaction is, is, is such a huge part of, of the environment, isn't it? And you have set up electrifying, which is yes. kind of here to, you know, I suppose de- debunk and clear the air around sort of hybrid and electric cars. How, how did that come about? Because I think it's such a needed uh, sort of platform and kind of, yeah, it's such a needed conversation to have. And it's something that we, when we were looking at buying a new, a new car, we sort of went over to Electrifying, looked at all the reviews and, and sort of, you know, it was really, really helpful. So how, how did it come about that you guys started that? Well, as with all good ideas, I think it happened over a glass of champagne at about 1am in the morning. Love it. <laughs> it was at the What Car Awards, <laughs> where me, Ginny Buckley, uh, who is the sort of CEO and founder, and Tom Ford, also known as Wookie, <laughs> um, all got together and sort of talked about this idea and uh, said, look, you know, we need to be doing this, but both... Ginny and Wookie have a huge amount of automotive experience. Um, I have a bit of automotive experience and also obviously coming from the world of electric cars um, could bring that, you know, they're, they're, traditionally um, Ginny and Wookie were more into their their uh, internal combustion engine cars. So we sort of thought we could bring our expertise together. And yeah, as you say, provide a kind of one-stop shop for everything you need to know about electric cars because there is so much misinformation out there. And people are still making pretty big mistakes. You know, we still see comments on our Facebook page like, oh, I bought, a, you know, this car. It, it said it would give me a range of 200 miles and I can only get 140 miles of range out of it. And it's like, well, how are you driving it? Is mm-hmm. it cold? Because the cold really affects battery right. range as well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, so there are all these little things. So we just basically wanted to sort of set a set up a site where we could kind of myth bust and just be open and honest, and also not kind of preachy. You know, we know that they're not perfect. Like, yeah, they're not. They're, they're, there are t- still teething problems, and I think we just wanted everyone to be aware of that. Whereas a lot of other sites are just like, oh wow, electric cars are amazing. They're the greatest thing. They're going to revolutionise your life and make you just feel great about yourself. Think of all that clean green air. <laughs> Yeah. Um, whereas actually and then you're yeah, stuck on the motorway benefit. running out yeah. of juice thinking what have I done exactly, <laughs> exactly. god damn those people <laughs> so I think we just want to give everyone the information that they need to uh, yeah feel empowered to make the right decisions yeah um, well and long may it continue I'm, I'm, I enjoy it so well well done on that um, now I want to talk a bit about so a lot of the charity work that you do and especially some of the work that you do in science with, uh, with young girls as well um, so I read that your ambition was to be the first presenter in space. Oh, yeah. Where did you read that, actually? I'm so intrigued. Where'd... I must have said that because it's come up a few times. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. But annoyingly, <laughs> I know that bloody Dermot O'Leary got there first, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so can, well, we, can we make it the first female presenter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I- absolutely <laughs> and we have to make, and we have to make this happen um but what what are your kind of views i suppose on the commercial space race looking at sort of branson musk all racing to get into space do you think you know what what are your thoughts on on the commercial space race in general and do you do you kind of think we're ever going to get that space tourism yeah i mean i think we're gonna i think i think we will yeah i mean we're so close to it and and you look at how far they've come in really such a short amount of time i think I think the big question is uh, when there are so many things that we should be investing in, is it worth the money? Because <laughs> obviously yeah. it's a hugely um, expensive um, project for them to do. But at the same time, you know, they're both, you know, Elon Musk and Richard Branson are just both such incredible entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's thanks to people like them, you know, thanks to Elon Musk that we have this electric revolution if it wasn't for Elon Musk's you know setting up Tesla and setting up this amazing infrastructure of charging I don't think we'd be anywhere near as far down the line with electric vehicles and it's amazing just the difference that one person can make to an entire industry you know he has transformed Mm -hmm. the automotive industry and and I think that's an amazing example to actually other industries of what we can do. So I think when it comes to, yeah, SpaceX, then yes, it will be 100% it's going to be commercialized. They're not putting all this money in to sort of give up um, at the last hurdle. Uh, it's, it's just a question of uh, when and who gets to go up there next. Yeah. But also, <laughs> it's a funny one, I think, because there's so much going on on planet Earth that could perhaps need a bit more attention. That I think, you know, a lot of the sort of, uh, criticism has come that why are we spending all of this money in space where it's where few people can enjoy it when you know we've got so many issues like the virus like you know pan, you know other pan, pandemics like you know food shortages etc cetera, etc cetera, that it could be yeah you know, i mean 100 and, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I although i don't think it's not like you know um sir richard Branson. i mean he has some incredible sort of ethical projects around the world it's not Mm. like it's the only thing he does and the same with Elon Musk you know they're both very uh, um, sort of giving in that area I mean Elon Musk came out with a tweet the other day he said I think if he paid an additional tax bill he would be able to solve the world's 
poverty crisis. I can't, I can't remember the exact figure, what the debt was. Maybe it's like Send 30 the billion bill. or something like that. I, I, I'm, I, don't quote me, don't quote me for that figure. But yeah, but but ultimately it is, you know, he's got the money to do it. But we need the um, the actual kind of the know-how and the logistics to make it happen. And it's not necessarily yeah. just about money. Yeah, It's about, yeah. you know, setting up a, a long-term um, solution to so many problems and uh, yeah I mean I think I think yes they could the money could be used better elsewhere but at the same time I don't think we should ever stop entrepreneurs in their tracks because who knows what they're going to find out along the way but yeah. you know it's thanks to them uh, that we are you know we get to enjoy what we do now with with yeah. electric cars for example and you know with Sir Richard Branson with flying as well yeah it's a very good point Nikki it's a very yeah. good point um I want to just touch on the International Day of Women and Girls in Science and I know that this is an area that you're also really passionate about um but at present less than 30 percent of researchers worldwide are women and according to UNESCO data only around 30 percent of all female students select stem related fields in higher education which is obviously still really quite low and there are still clearly long-standing biases and gender stereotypes which are steering girls and women away from science-related fields. But as someone who, you know, I know you go into t- schools and you talk to, 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 young, to girls about, about this, what would you like to see happen? Uh, what do you think that can be done to encourage more uh, women and girls in, into that area? I think um, we're already seeing a big shift, um, you know, it's small steps, isn't it, towards having more women in STEM, choosing STEM subjects. Obviously, it is very difficult if maybe you do have a class at school and 80% of them are, are boys and you're the 20%. Um, it makes it a lot harder to make that choice when you're at school. So, and I also think there's a lot of... Um, I suppose, narrow-mindedness about what jobs are available if you study a STEM subject. Perhaps people think, oh, you're going to have to then, you know, wear a white lab coat and sit in a laboratory for the rest of your life. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many jobs that require STEM as, you know, the backbone to your career. Um, And I think it's just making people aware of what those jobs are. You know, formula, well, in fact, motorsports in general is just a brilliant example. You know, you don't necessarily have to be the the head of engineering um, to work in in motorsport and, and you know, with a STEM background. But there are so many other roles that would actually require having a STEM background. So I think it's just going out to the sort of community and saying actually there are thousands of different jobs available mm. make sure you've kind of researched it first and, and having the I guess the female um uh well um what's the word I'm looking for role, role model yeah. exactly to look up to and it's that whole thing that comes back to you know you've got to see it and to believe it to then do it um, and then follow in those footsteps so it's just making people more aware and and actually well, motorsport, but STEM generally, they're really putting women in the spotlight at the moment. Yeah. I think there's a lot of focus about bringing women to the foreground to just making everyone aware that actually there are these incredible women behind the scenes yeah. making this happen. And visibility is so important. And I feel it's something that we've kind of lacked, you know, as you say, it is getting better, but it's not always been a constant. I think the more visibility that we have and people like you in the public eye, you know, the more people can look and see what different possibilities yeah. there, ha- there are in, in in front of us 
Exactly. I think, you know, again, actually, motorsport is quite a good example because your shop window is like, you know, 20, 22, which depending on the sport, where, you know, men racing drivers, that's your shop window. But actually behind the scenes, we have a very, very strong um, female contingent. You know, there's probably 30, 40 percent women. And that's every role from yeah race engineer to team principal to team manager to PR to marketing to events to journalist to photographer. Um, so it's just a sort of, but it's a reminder that actually maybe the shot window of the sport looks very male heavy, uh, male yeah. dominated, but it's it's not the case at all. And in the recent years, we've had the development of W Series, which is the, yeah. the all female racing series. Um, have you how involved in in that have you been? So I've been involved in it sort of bits and pieces. Um, so W Series, yeah, they they now, which is amazing, follow the Formula One. Well, they have a select number of races on the Formula One calendar. So again, it's a brilliant platform because you suddenly got an amazing audience already there um, and to showcase what they've done. Um, but I have worked quite closely, uh, well, over the years with Jamie Chadwick on bits and pieces, and she's the now the double um world series champion she's won it not once but twice and she is just a a truly remarkable sort of young female driver and again it's just the brilliant showcase you know seeing in fact even in um there was alice powell who was um she was also a w series driver and she's now started doing some of the channel four formula one punditry which again, you know, it's just getting, which which is an opportunity that never would have been there before. They would have picked a, a male racing driver and it would have been, you know, Steve Jones, David Coulthard and another bloke talking about yeah. Formula One. But we've managed to sort of, you know, surface um, some incredible female talent. So Alice Powell is now, again, a shop window talking on screen very passionately, very authoritatively about motorsport. So it's like, oh, okay, so if she can do it, I yeah. can do it too. Um, and there's also the um, FIA Girls on Track um, program as well, which I'm an ambassador for. And that again is about going into going into schools, giving young girls experience of what it's like to be part of a race team. Again, going through all the different roles. Uh, and then there's some the opportunity to actually come to a race so we've had that's amazing we had once i think about five six hundred girls come to a formula e race which was just brilliant mayhem wow. but brilliant <laughs> and su such an infectious uh, environment so, yeah it really does change like one experience you know i'm sure we've all had that one moment and it completely changes the trajectory of your career or your life or the path that you're going on and so all it does take is you know just come to an event like that go behind the scenes maybe meet someone do an interview with someone um get an email address of somebody and it, it can completely change their lives yeah which is incredible uh, you've also done quite a lot of work in the environmental space investigating issues such as farming and global warming what for you has been the most worrying issue do you think that you have come across so far whoa that's a big question sorry um... <laughs> sorry nikki for you yeah. know just thought I'd just yeah you do realize it it's uh, it's 10 o'clock on a monday morning <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fortunately, I have had my coffee. <laughs> One, I mean, uh, obviously, it, it has to be the climate crisis at the moment. I mean, I was recently speaking at COP26, uh, the global warming, uh, are we doing enough? It's terrifying. It really is absolutely terrifying how, uh, what, what impacts humans are still having and how, even though we are trying to make some effort, 
it's clearly not enough. enough. And yeah. I think this is what our biggest problem is at the moment. You know, the amount we consume, um, the amount we travel. Um, and, you know, um, we're, we're very aware actually with Formula E how much we travel and the effects on the carbon footprint that that has. But it's been a big thing actually. We're now, um, to Formula E, we're the first net zero carbon sport Wow, um, which was a yeah, really, really big achievement for them. But it's something that you know all sports need to achieve because obviously, when you're sending thousands of people around the world from racetrack or to you know stadium to stadium, it, there's, there's a huge carbon footprint attached to that. But we're not going to stop doing that, so we need to find the solutions. So I think yeah, it still comes back to global warming, and uh, that ultimately is our biggest problem. And the policy set out at COP26, is it enough? We will, yeah. We'll see next year and see how the progress is going. It's. I think it's, such, it's so hard because they're, they're such weighty issues. And I'm sure some, you know, like me, I'm, you know, I'm listening to this and it's like, well, what as an individual, what more can we all be doing? And it's, you know, you, you're kind of, we have these big weighty issues and it's like, well, is one person really going to make a difference? And actually, I think, yes, they, we, we can do. And we've seen how, you know, it takes entrepreneurs, you know, coming into the different space and actually, you know, bringing, bringing a new technology or bringing a new idea uh, into the space, which is, you know, incredibly inspiring. But is there anything that you could, any sort of tips or any advice that you could give us as individuals and, you know, for the Femme Foundry community who are listening um, which we may not have thought of in terms of being able to help tackle these types of crises. As you say, I think it's, it's always very hard to think how can one person make a difference, but you know, you 100% can. Because of, of course, if we all do it, it will make a huge, huge impact. So I think it, I, I hate to say it because I feel like it's been rammed down our throat so many times, but it really does actually make a difference. You know, pick, and it, it, it is amazing to see the change. You know, when you're buying clothes or now maybe hiring clothes, pick the ones that are sustainable and not the ones that just have, you know, conscious marked on the label. Check, are they actually sustainable? You know, there are so many uh, companies obviously who are doing uh, greenwashing now. Although having said that, there's been a lot of investigation in to sort of uncovering the companies that are greenwashing. Yeah. So it is, it's happening less, but still I think it's really important to just be mindful just because it says sustainable just double check you know the information is always available online um and and again it, it comes back down to things like you know the using of plastics um your your journeys you know if you can plot a route that's going to share a taxi if you have to get a taxi rather than or get the tube of course if you can um so it, it comes down to just all those little things that we do keep talking about but it does make a huge difference um so although it sounds very boring and actually it's quite easy to get a bit lazy and think oh do you know what there's one time i'm not going to bother mm. um because oh, well, i'm sure you know my friend's not doing it so why should i um but actually if everyone does it it will have a significant effect yeah. <laughs> so just just keep doing those little things you know don't reduce your plastic intake you know minimize the amount of, of, of clothes that you buy and that's such a big thing particularly in our industry pips you know you're always we're always going to different events people expect you to be in different outfits but we're constantly but on the mentality blower. i know trying to what can are I you wearing this? can i borrow that have you got anything i can borrow yeah. um but, but, but that's but i you know that obviously it's you know slightly 
different but i think again it's like you know doing things like clothes swapping and stuff with friends exactly. like all Brilliant. my all my stuff that i actually can't fit into at the moment i've just given to all of my friends yeah. locally to actually wear because i can't get into anything <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like you know with christmas everyone's like you know don't buy new you can buy second hand uh, and it's it's completely acceptable now, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, totally, of course it is. Um, now, here at Femme Foundry, we're all about where the professional and the personal collide. And I know uh, that you have a, your gorgeous little son, Arthur, who is now, he's coming up to three. Yeah, three in May, three, three in May. In two May. and a half. And, yeah. a, and another one on the way. How uh, have you, I mean, and you've also, from, you know, I, I, as as I've what I've I've watched along the way, you have managed to navigate a very successful few years at the same time as motherhood. I don't know. No, you have. <laughs> no, you really have. Winging um, it, muddling through. <laughs> I think it's called. What what works for you in terms of being able to kind of like I suppose have you know be an amazing mother, but also have the the independence to to be able to go and do your job so brilliantly. Oh, well, I mean, I'd love to say that, you know, it's about being really organized, just having everything set up so, you know, you can go to work without a worry in the world. Um, but obviously, that's not really the case, particularly working, uh, you know, freelance. I, you know, I couldn't tell you what I'm doing in, in, I couldn't tell you what I'm doing kind of next month because so many things come up last minute. So, <laughs> Um, it's more like winging it and planning it on a day by day basis and hoping for the best. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think it's having. First of all, I've got amazing support. I do have um, my mum and dad who live there about forty five minutes away from me, so they're a great sort of backup plan. It, you know, I, I always know if I get stuck on a shoot or if I'm working late. Uh, worst worst case, there will be someone to collect Arthur from nursery at the end of the day. And to be fair, I don't think I've actually ever had to rely on them for that but it is just quite nice to just know at the back of your head it just takes that pressure off the comfort <laughs> exactly um and I think it's just you know putting those boundaries in place mm. I um make sure I always I have my day with Arthur on a Friday or a Thursday or a Friday um and that's always the case and if a job comes in I'll just say no I'm busy then um I can't do that then so I think it's learning to say no to things which is obviously a very difficult um particularly in our world um you never want to say no to work but sometimes you know you know your priorities change and then there are your big commitments <clears throat> that, that I do plan in advance like obviously going to Formula E races um, mm. and I also do uh, a fair amount of work with electrifying so having those shoots booked in in the diary lots of you know pre-planned um, but ultimately I think working everyone has it's probably the same, same for so many of us you can plan as much as you like but things do change last minute and you, I just you just have to just go with it and yeah. I am relatively relaxed I think about that side of things and so I would love to, this This is kind of part of our sort of like quick fire round. I would love to know what works. So in terms of kind of, you know, physical health, is that something that's important to you? How how do you look after your physical health? So I keep going on the Fem Foundry app and it's like, oh, I, I wonder what I can find. I was like, oh, yes, I need some financial help. Oh, yes, actually, I need some spiritual help. Oh, yes, I need some physical help. It's great. <laughs> I need all the help I can get um, because I think, before having Arthur, I was really into doing my exercise, going to the gym, 
um, yoga, Pilates, gym. Uh, I really like going to classes, but I found it really difficult to get back into it. And I really do miss it. Um, and I've, I feel like just being able to take that time, even just for an hour for you once a week is just so healing and it makes such a difference. So I have now finally managed to put some time aside to just do some pregnancy yoga. It's once a week, but I mean, I virtually, you know, you want to come out of it crying because it's just that moment, that one hour where finally you can actually switch off, make time for yourself and kind of heal, I think, from the mayhem and carnage that life brings on a day-to-day basis. And we never stop and think about it Mm. until we have those moments. And it's so important and it really does make such a difference. And it just gives you just a different perception on everything. You know, your to-do list is is not such a sort of milestone. (laughs) Uh, Just everything, I think it changes your outlook. So I think it's so important if you can just put that hour aside, even just once a week. And what about financial health? How do you look after your financial health? So um, I was thinking about this. I mean, I I would say I wish I was more organized when it came to my accounts and uh, my accountant. I think I'm probably his least favorite client because <laughs> I do leave everything to the last minute when it comes to like filing expenses and tax returns and all of that but one thing I think I have always been good at is putting a bit of money to the side never really know what it was for you know even when at my first job I worked in a pharmacy for three pounds an hour on a Tuesday and a Thursday you know and I would always obviously at the weekends go out with my friends but I would always make sure I save a bit Um, and I think that's just been a really useful skill to have in life particularly again if you're freelance it's always good to put money aside of course for for paying your tax bill and any AT returns etc but it's also just quite useful for the long term so I think yeah my advice to you is just uh, my, my advice would just be to just save a bit even though you save don't know what it. it's for yeah <laughs> I mean obviously if you can be organized with your accounts do that but uh, <laughs> also just get a good accountant <laughs> <laughs> and what what about your mental health as you know as you say you've you're so busy and you've got so many things on how do you sort of safeguard your mental health and make sure that you're in the best possible space um I think most importantly I have to it's important for me to talk about things with my husband like if I've got a lot of work coming up and I feel a bit overwhelmed you know you might look at the diary and think wow, I'm flying from here to there. I've got to pack this to this and an outfit for that. And I've got to prep for that and learn a script for this. And how am I going to drive from here to here? And and suddenly, like the logistics of having of the, of the next couple of weeks just becomes incredibly overwhelming. So I think just talking it through with somebody for me is really useful. And that's usually my husband. <laughs> um, so, so I think that's quite important. And then being able to just read and switch off is quite good as well. Um, I try and read before bed. Yeah. A lot of the time it turns into scrolling through Instagram and buying yeah. things for my son. <laughs> um, but if I can, I do think just being able to switch off. I mean, listening to a podcast helps, but yeah. um, for me, reading I find is quite good because it, it helps me switch off and sends me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And, and what about, are you into sort of things like meditation or or are you, is that not really your vibe? 
not not so much i mean actually funnily enough my husband was quite into meditation and we started doing it when we had before we had arthur and going to bed we used to have a podcast that we listened to all the time and it was so relaxing um and again yeah it just helps you stop and take a moment take a breath um and relax but I haven't been quite so good this time around. <laughs> that's all right. You can't do everything, Nikki. You yeah. can't do everything. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for chatting to us on Profoundly. It's been a real pleasure to hear all about your illustrious kind of career in, you know, in motorsport, and especially Formula E. You are the guru and the thanks. woman in Formula E, flying the flag foot for us all. Oh, uh, so it's you. brilliant to hear all of that uh, and to, you know, to chat to you about all the things that you love so lovely. thanks so well, thanks much for, for having, having me on. no it's been an absolute pleasure lovely to catch up as always pips <laughs>